Mindfulness Mode 308. Ignore the bully in your head and make that voice your best friend. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. You're listening to a show all about mindfulness. As you can tell, I'm your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Lankford. Thanks for tuning in and joining us. I always love hearing from my my listeners. And I do have mugs I was giving out to celebrate the 300th episode. And I thought, you know what? I should just give out some random mugs to some random people who, who do leave feedback. If you go to my website, site at mindfulnessmode.com and leave a comment there at the bottom of the episode you may be the one to win a mug that says mindfulness mode it has our logo on it remember reminds you to be mindful every day so here's some feedback i just received uh this is lily and lily says thanks bruce Thanks so much for all of your interesting shows. I'm learning a lot about mindfulness. I'm living a more mindful life as a result of the great interviews you're sharing. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that, Lily. And, of course, all of you Mindful Tribe who are listening, if you share, tell your friends. Tell your friends about the the show. That helps me so that I can keep this show on the air. So subscribe on whatever app you're listening to the show on. And uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking all about yoga. And it's going to be very interesting, a fascinating interview because this is yoga with a difference, a creative spin. And I really enjoyed talking with, with Debbie Siegel. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with Debbie. Hey, Mindful Tribe, this is going to be a really fun interview. I'm sure of it. I've got Debbie Siegel with me, and she's just smiling away there. Hey, Debbie, are you in mindfulness mode today? I certainly am. Thanks for asking. (laughs) That's cool. Debbie Siegel is a yoga teacher, and she's a founder of the business Yoga Girls. And this business really rocks, let me tell you that. She calls herself a passionate steward of earth. And then she adds, mostly a barefoot steward. She's also a marketer, a copywriter, and an editor with a distinctive edge, which she finds in the wild. (laughs) She's an avid cyclist, an enthusiastic athlete, and mom of the millennium. (laughs) Debbie is currently writing a mindful marionettes puppet show designed to teach kids about mindfulness and that debuts soon so that's totally exciting well debbie what does mindfulness mean to you what's it all about in your life mindfulness yeah well it's got the word mind in it right so so for me mindfulness is about quieting your mind quieting enough to tune in to this exact moment in time right the only one that really exists right? Yep. Prior to this, gone. No guarantee about the next. So in this tuning in, it's about having a non-judgmental awareness of my thoughts and my emotions, kind of freeing it up, freeing up my mind to be present. Very good. (laughs) I like that. I like that. When you say you find, I don't know, you discover things in the wild, what wild are you talking about? Let's let's get into that. 
Well, I just think that outside four walls, right? Mm -hmm. Outside in our environment, connecting to nature, I am definitely, I was raised in Arizona. My dad, one of his hobbies was a gold prospector. Uh So I spent my childhood in the deserts of Arizona in trying to find the most remote locations. And I just, that gave me my perspective of, and my connection to nature, and I call it the wild. I think wild can be a noun or a verb, right? It can be a lot <laughs> of things, adjective, Debbie. An adjective. <laughs> and so you spend a lot of time outside then. Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, one of the ways that I incorporate mindfulness into some of my classes, I use uh, a method that works for me as a result of that childhood uh, spent around campfires, uh, I was very drawn to fire and always, you know, fascinated by it. And, you know, if you stare at it, just, it's just an amazing thing to view. And I invite students sometimes to uh, use a candle to meditate. So by connecting to that flame, it can help you slow those thoughts, you know, it can help you. That's what we're, that's what the, objective is of mindfulness right to take the monkeys out yes <laughs> release the monkeys and slow it down enough to be right here right now so for me staring at a candle really helps and you're a passionate steward of earth yes yes i aka tree hugger <laughs> <laughs> yes i have spent um a portion of my life dedicated to helping people become more sustainable and live more sustainably. And I definitely practice what I preach there. Um, Anyone that knows me. Yeah. I don't buy plastic anything. I try. Um, I don't. Well, just hold on a second, Debbie. Hold on. I buy plastic How do you live your life without buying plastic anything? I got to Okay, not anything. Let me read. Can we delete that? (laughs) Edit that part out. Okay, not anything, but I don't buy the typical waste plastic that the plastic bags, the Ziploc baggies, the plastic things that I don't need. You know, um, I also don't buy like paper towels. And so I, it's kind of, that's pre-cycling, you know, choosing not to buy packaged items. You know, I tend to use the little mesh bags and buy, buy my food in bulk. Mm -hmm. So it helps that my boyfriend is a vegan chef, so I don't have to (laughs) prepare all the things. I just have to buy them. So are you a vegan? (laughs) I actually am a pretty strict vegetarian, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. He's a vegan chef. So doesn't that make life easier? Yes. Yes. He cooks at a restaurant here locally. That is, yeah, he's he's incredible. He makes the food. He and I actually co-host a music and yoga festival in Southern Illinois. Yeah, we'll be coming up on our third in May. Very cool. And he prepares all the food. It's five, It includes five meals, and he cooks them all. It's vegan. So ah. it's a great way to um, show people that vegan food is not, you know, we're not eating grass. <laughs> right, of course. It, it can be completely delicious. And tell and me more about that festival. Protein. <laughs> tell me more about that festival. What's it called again? Uh, oh, my God. Um, Manifest Station. The music festival the is held at a place called Camp Manitoa. It's in southern Illinois. So we took manna from Manitoa 
and fest from festival. And we came up with the name manifest and my girlfriend added the word station. And there you go. It's manifestation. What are you into marketing or something? Uh, I could be. (laughs) I I think I've been told that. I think the the last time I walked across the graduating stage, that was the degree they handed me. And you love it, don't you? I do. It is my passion. It, I have, you know, it's changed a lot in the years. Yeah. I've been doing it for about 20 now. Mm -hmm. So the mode has changed. The media, the medium has changed, but well, on yoga, yoga girls, you just make it look so appealing. Like, and I think anybody that is, isn't even into yoga would look at your Instagram and look at, you know, your social media and think, man, this is very cool. How do you pull this off? <laughs> That's a great question. How do I pull off the cool? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, there's tons of yoga places out there, but they don't all look cool like you do online. Oh, thank you. It's very kind of you to say that. I I mean, photography and those those are posed photos and we create the environment. And I would say that both Michelle and I are driven by creativity. It's it's part of my makeup, you know. And you're a photo stylist. So what does that yeah. really mean? What do you do when you get those photos? Oh, well, styling it is in the moment of the photo shoot. Got so it. I'm helping with hair, the costuming. The, Got it. You're the preparing light, you know. the shot. You're preparing yeah. mostly the, the subject, the person, yes. or also yeah. the background. So look, we, I do a lot of location site, you know, locations. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what's involved in styling that. You know, a photo stylist could also deal with products or this happens to be. Um, taking photos of mostly yogis. (laughs) I just attended the St. Louis Ballet this week and I get to interview a girl from that, the the star of the show, Giselle. So that'll be exciting getting some photos of her. They walk on their toes, Mm. you know? So. That's very cool. And you're into yoga art therapy, am I right? (laughs) Yes, I'm glad you asked that. That is a class just I we just put it together and I uh, had it last week offered it to a bunch of St. Louisans. It took a long time coming. It was a great idea. A friend friend of mine shared it with me, and so we co-taught it. And each person attending got charcoal and a big canvas of paper, like it was six by seven foot. And through, I started the uh, class with a guided. Uh, meditation, asking people to go back to that place in our development, Mm -hmm. the place that we all have, right? That place before your voice in your head started, the one before you started biases or judgment or before that voice started, you know, kind of almost defending you in situations and it was the point where we danced or sang or colored or drew without ever having anyone ever critique it yet. So we just did, right? Yeah. I think that's part of your wild side, just doing it, just digging in. Well, we are human beings, not human doings. Uh So I think if you can just be in the moment and where I took them in that moment is that place, that childlike place, that 
prior to the earth, the, I'm sorry, the world telling you who you are, telling you what you're maybe not good at or what you should do or what, you know, that place is where I'd like to take people. Well, I really was impressed by the photo on your website from that class. And I thought, this is something really cool. Do you have any men involved in your, uh, either in your classes or in your, in your business? Well, yoga girls. Is, I is know, enough. that's why I'm asking. Girls, I... I do. I am always thrilled. In fact, that night, um, I am, my personality, I kind of giddily say things out loud. They uh -huh. come out and, and I kept saying as each guy walked in, oh, there's a guy, you know, because yeah. while they're not um, a huge makeup of the current, uh, you know, yoga scene, they're, they're un beginning to understand it, right? Mm -hmm. They're understanding. So the type of yoga that I teach, uh, vinyasa flow, takes and align, you first align with your breath, right? That's really all yoga is, is we've made it into this physical asana practice. And, mm -hmm. But then it's taking that breath and connecting it to movement. And in doing so, you create this moving meditation. And that's how, really, how mindfulness snuck into my life. <laughs> uh, it came in through yoga and through, it, that's how meditation, I should say, really came into my life, is through yoga. So I was flowing in vinyasa class and it snuck in, you know? And I began yoga as purely for a more physical reason, you know? And for years I didn't practice because I thought, wait, I have to sit still and my mind has to be still. I don't know if I can do that. And then I also had the false belief <laughs> that it was not physical enough for me. Mm -hmm. So uh, after connecting to it in this way, you know, that's when I took my meditation and that mindset off my mat and started introducing it into my life on a daily basis. So my meditation practice, um, I begin almost every day meditating. I was you just going to ask you that. You oh. begin and how long do you meditate for and what does it look like? Is it silent? I, yes, it's silent for me. Um, my meditation practice looks like something I've recently incorporated and it's been the biggest shift for me was I have decided to meditate first, not, I do not check my phone prior to meditating anymore. This is the biggest shift in my meditation practice. Smart. And yes. And it, um, it's something I was reading as I was doing research to write some content and I thought, Oh wow, that's powerful. And it has been, it's been the biggest shift for me in terms of, uh, my meditation practice. So, you know, like many people, my job sort of requires me to have a smartphone attached to me. Yeah. You know, so, and then I tend to close each meditation with um, my happiness one sentence journal. <laughs> okay. I um, went through a divorce in 2014 and I was found myself wandering a bookstore shortly after, you know, mm -hmm. I thought, okay, what do I do when I'm, I was, you know, you know, the emotions yeah, I was going through I were do. chaotic and sad and heavy. And I thought, well, books have been there for me. I'll go to a bookstore and I'll go to that little 
digital catalog thing and type in the word happiness. And so that's what I did. And I, of course, came across, you know, a huge section. Yes. <laughs> they were all pretty much in the same part of the store. I went there and I found Gretchen Rubin wrote a book, The Happiness Project. Yes. And a lot of the books that I picked up for where my mind was at at the time, again, post 15 year marriage dissolved, you know, like most do it was, it was heavy. So my mind wasn't really able to at the time start wrapping around some of these books that were kind of more outlines of what to do and, and, and all these studies on happiness and that. Right. But she had this one sentence journal and I'm a writer, right? Yes. So I thought one sentence a day. <laughs> yeah. I can do that. I can do that. Totally. I can write one sentence a day. And so I chose right away and it's a five year journal. So it, um, it's, what's really cool is like today when I wrote, I got to look back at this day in 2014 in 2015. I, I skipped it last year. I missed it that day, but that's okay too. It allows for that. Mm -hmm. So that's another really great way this book has helped. Uh, and I get to look back at, you know, past Debbie <laughs> and see my growth. And so what I decided right away when I got the book, though, was that I would not make any of my happiness in this particular book about my children. They are so dear to me. Uh, I love them dearly. And they I stayed at home with them for 10 years. So I did derive and probably attached a lot of my happiness to them. And I thought this time in my life, this is about me trying to uh, connect to what we're all doing, right? What we're, we're all, all doing. looking for happiness. We're all, the majority of the reasons people do the things they do mm -hmm. is to try to discover that. But I can tell you that um, finding that book and placing that at the end of my meditation in the morning has been, is yeah, life-changing for me. Uh, I, I love that. Well, you are really passionate about helping kids figure out what mindfulness is about and you've written a play the mind what is it called marionette the mindful marionettes no mindful marionettes yeah mindful marionettes well what came what brought you to that conclusion and tell me about the process of writing that play it sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> well i can tell you that my uh boyfriend did a, the initial writing okay. and he is a script writer and has um coined a lot of puppet shows we did a series this summer at libraries around um actually the state of Missouri, uh, teaching kids about using the library and reading. Uh -huh. and he rewrote uh, Velvet Underground songs. Are you familiar with Lou Reed? No. Okay, so Lou Reed, the song, um, Take a Walk on the Wild Side. Okay. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. So he changed the lyrics to Take a Walk to the Library, and Lou Reed, instead of R-E-E-D, becomes R-E-A-D, and... <laughs> His counterpart on that album was Nico. She became Spico. Anyway, so that kind of started our puppeting, uh, working together and mm -hmm. puppeting. And, you know, I teach yoga and mindfulness. So we just, voila, you know, yeah. let's, let's overlap. Let's bring our passions together. I mean, imagine a world where this next generation has access to the self-soothing, self-regulating tools of mindfulness, you know, 
how impactful that might be. Totally. Stress relief, you know, anxiety that it could curtail. So voila, we created Mindful Marionettes and we're debuting it on December 2nd in St. Louis at a, a festival that their tagline is a conscious gathering with positive intentions. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> it's a perfect place. Beautiful. And how long is the production? It's about 40 minutes right now. And you actually uh, get to hear me sing ah. in <laughs> because our character, um, he's actually the ventriloquist dummy, is Willie Ray. Okay. You know, I sing that uh, son of a preacher man is the, <laughs> the background. <laughs> and so Willie Ray... <laughs> goes starts the uh the production as silly willie and he ends as chill will (laughs) (laughs) clever a lot of hope yeah a lot of a lot of references in that but it'll be it'll be fun it'll be our first one i hope of many will the audience be a mix of children and adults or will they be all children or what i would assume it'll be both it's the uh actual festival is you know for parents and families so uh, I think it'll address anyone. I think they'll be tapping their toes, understanding. I mean, Yogi Bear is in it. So, you know, the adults will connect to Yogi Bear and his yeah. vocabulary. We work, you know, some key concepts into that. And uh, the kids will get to practice and they'll get to do some yoga poses. They'll get to learn more about attuning to sounds, you know, Um so yeah, it'll be a wide audience. Sounds like a lot of fun. It really does. I want to ask you a question, Debbie. Were you ever bullied? Do you have a bullying story where mindfulness would have made a difference? Now, this could be in adult life or back in childhood. Anything like that? Hmm. Um, well, I think we all, we've all yeah. been bullied. And actually, I've been both the bully and the bullied Uh so in childhood but um i feel like recalling and retelling childhood bully stories would kind of give them some power in my now yes so what i'd instead like to focus on is the second part of your question yes where mindfulness would have made a difference let's do that okay mindfulness we make a difference for bullying everywhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I happen to believe that bullying is just a person's need to be seen. We all need to be seen by others, you know? Yes, we, we all do. Need acknowledgement. It's a human condition. Mm-hmm. And bullying is just a more intense method, probably, right, of achieving this. Right. So by holding more space for others in our day-to-day lives... You know, perhaps we'll be offering the fulfillment of being seen to someone who might otherwise, you know, turn to turn that lack into a bullying opportunity. Well, and it is a lack, yes. And some places much more so than others, some children much more so than others, and obviously yeah. some adults much more so than others. Yeah, true. I want to say one more thing about bullying. I heard a therapist say one time, to uh, she was helping a teenage girl mm-hmm. uh, tune out some negative self-talk that she was spiraling into. She told her, I want you to ignore the bully in your head and make that voice your best friend. Make, make Hear the best friend's voice in your head and ignore the bully in your head, right? And isn't that a great message? 
you know? It is. So in as a yoga teacher, one of my recurring themes I involves me trying to help people go back to that place in their development where they had before they had that voice telling them who to be, what not to try, you know, what to believe. And even that bully in your head is that voice, right? That negative self-talk. So I feel like offering mindfulness and you can't, we, we've all seen the research where it can rewire your neural pathways, yes. you know? So for me, I just really connect to that message, you know, ignore the bully in your head. Or see and the bully be, as your friend, as a different person. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, or be your best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because so many people think of it as their enemy, as this evil, you know, they just want to get rid of it. And yet we really can't push it away. Do you think? No, I agree. It's always there, right? Yeah. It's been there. It's been there. Probably I, I thought about it one day, like it was probably pictures before we knew words, you know, yes. when we were really little. It was just pictures, you know, and then it started and our vocabulary grew. And as we heard more and more you know, probably at first it was our parents, certainly in our family mm -hmm. setting, that started saying things out loud in front of us. And we started incorporating that into our definition of self. Well, I, I think that's really true. And I think the more we try to push it away, the bigger it gets and the more fierce it becomes. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, I would, I would agree. You are a mom of the millennium. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of mom are you tell us more about that oh i love talking about that thank you you're welcome <laughs> i um have my children you know 50 percent of the time i am a single mom but yeah. uh they are they're everything to me i um my daughter is 16 mm -hmm. and i driving and I took her to the ballet on Sunday. We got to drive. She got, she drove me, which is, you know, I'm still even getting used to it. I bet. I'll say something and she'll be like, mom, I can drive. Uh, oh yeah. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. Go get your own coffee. <laughs> I know totally what you're going through. My son is 16 too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You go through that phase where you forget. You're like, yeah. wait, oh yeah, you can go do it for yourself. <laughs> great. This is a great evolution. Yeah. But yeah, she was driving us to the ballet and it start it literally that morning I was riding a bike in a fundraiser in St. Louis called Cranksgiving where you rode to a grocery store and bought groceries cool. for people who don't have food, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. about 20% of um have food insecurity in St. Louis. 20%. 20% of the population, yeah, in the city, in North City and North City, yeah. Uh -huh. So they uh you donate the food, but you ride your bike to all these grocery stores in between. And it's really fun that morning. Gorgeous day, right? It was just this past Sunday. Um, and by two 30 on our way or two o'clock on our way, it was hailing. <laughs> it was hailing. And my daughter looks at me and goes, what do I do? You know, she's gripping the steering wheel and we're getting off the highway. And I was like, well, the, oh, you know, I don't know. You know, like, the only thing really is to get under something. And there was nothing to get under, yeah. you know, so, was just pull over and wait it out. Yeah. So that was fun. But yeah, I have a 16 year old and a 14 year old. So I'm in that phase mm -hmm. of, you know, their 14 year old is my son is uh, pulling away a tiny bit, but <laughs> we, um, they're great kids. They're great kids. I feel like when I go to their parent teacher conferences, I just, 
I'm like, how the karma fairies must not be watching. <laughs> how is this? <laughs> they keep patting me on the back and saying they're great people. And uh, that's our goal, right? Is just to raise good humans that have empathy and can, you know, can survive on their own, can do their own laundry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Be independent. Yeah. To a right? certain extent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the goal. <laughs> I don't know. How, how are you doing with that, yeah, Bruce? <laughs> pretty good. He's not doing a huge amount of laundry yet, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's going pretty well. I'm pretty proud of him. He's he's teaches me a lot of things, actually. It's true, right? Yeah. They teach you the most. Yeah. I think I've learned the majority of my lessons from my children. I can tell you when uh, I was 19, in, oh, I was, maybe I shouldn't have said the age. Maybe I should have just said in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of a bit before mindfulness became a buzzword, right? Yes. Uh, and, you know, scientists everywhere studying its effects. I became a birth mom. Uh. I placed a baby for adoption. And that situation was probably the first. It taught me a lot of things. Okay. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot of lessons in that, um, mm. in this part of my story in my path. But one I learned is definitely mindful, mindfulness related. It is that lesson of you can't really say what you would do in any situation unless you are in it. Yes. You know, so I got to learn that very young and uh, the story behind it, I was entering the hospital with my birth plan and my coach. And in that plan, I'd asked the nurses to remove the baby from the birthing room immediately. I felt I wasn't I wasn't totally certain that I could handle hearing him cry. And in the state of Arizona, the law was that when a baby's 36 hours old, that's when you sign the adoption papers. So you have this chance. It just, I just didn't know how, I didn't feel like I could handle that. So mm -hmm. I felt like it would be easier if they just, right. well, just, you know, as the nurse was, you know, carrying him out and saw me straining and sitting up and looking mm -hmm. over and asked me, you know, do you want to see him? And I nodded, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And she brought him to me and I didn't, you know, fall into a million pieces, mm -hmm. right? That fear didn't come to pass. So for me, that situation taught me that valuable lesson of, you know, where you can't say, well, if I were her, I would, whatever, you know? For sure, and we're all different. Her. Yeah. And you can't even, I wasn't even fully aware of what I was going to do in that situation until I was in it, mm -hmm. right? I didn't, I didn't even know what I would do. So it's, it's just been that important lesson. I got to learn at that age, you know, and it's kind of about living in the now, right? I mean, obviously go in with your birth plan, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it, it taught me that, that I cannot say what I would do in anyone else's situation. Well, I'm glad you shared that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Appreciate Thank it, you. Yeah. Debbie. I want to move forward by asking you five quick answer questions. And the first one is this. Ooh. Who is one person who has affected your mindfulness? Hmm. Well, I probably, you know, I would say that Gretchen Rubin, mm -hmm. you know, someone I have not met. <laughs> um, and... 
my children, we discussed that, how much they teach you. Um, For sure. And even just the, the lessons I learn, and you probably have found this to be true as well, Bruce, when you're teaching your child something, you are putting that out. You're, you're teaching yourself even, right? Sometimes they ask questions that you've not really ever thought about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you find yourself answering, you know, you realize what your beliefs are, right? And you're, uh, yeah, I feel like those would be my answers. The people that have influenced mindfulness most in my life, probably Gretchen and that situation that I just described and my children. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Oh, wow. That is a good one. (laughs) Thank you for asking that. Yes. They, for me, like I said, it's about quieting my mind, right? And being able to be in this moment right here. You know, it, it, for me, it has leveled off the extreme emotions for me are derived from worry about the future or fretting over the past. So by being right here, it's made me pretty even keel. And that has not always been something you could say about Debbie Siegel. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. You talked about breathing a little already, but how can you sum it up? Ooh, sum it up. Well, there's actually science behind it, right? The breathing deeply into your abdomen. And I am really drawn to um, a yogic breathing called Dirga breathing. It's Dirga breath. It's a three-part breath. Mm -hmm. We know it as, and it's... uh, where you start by filling your belly cavity. So you're breathing deep, right? You expand that out. And then you next move into your lungs and your rib area, blowing those out in 360. And then finally, just even extending the air all the way up into your throat. Uh So those three, you start filling bottom to top and you exhale and you empty top to bottom. And this type of breathing has a lot of indications that all of the um, benefits of meditation and breathing, it will, what scientifically happens is you kind of hit your vagus nerve there and then it takes your body into that rest or digest phase and out of the fight or flight that pretty much we all uh, operate in more often than not, right? For sure. Yeah. So... I, um, I'm very drawn to that type of breathing and anytime one might even point out that prior to our interview, (laughs) I was breathing, (laughs) I was integrating that into my own instruction and guidance. So yeah, it it calms you, right? I am a a rock climber. So one of my hobbies, I climb cliffs. Uh, I can get on the same rock wall. That's the same difficulty from the ground, a few hundred feet, which I've done as well, like all over, all over the U.S. I've climbed in 11 states. You start from that place and start to climb and you realize the mind-body connection right away, right? Mm -hmm. Like it changes, you know, your mind is so powerful. It changes your, your ability to focus on climbing. So I will say breath has been incredibly powerful there. It can get you past that anxious fear that we, the sport does involve. (laughs) So yes, breathing 
I incorporate it into almost everything I do now when I feel I uh, need to come back to that clear-minded place that breathing is it's my medicine. <laughs> it's my medicine. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Debbie, tell me a book that you would recommend that's related to the topic of mindfulness. <clears throat> One I've been listening to and uh, on, I guess it's audible. Yeah. Uh, that would be The Power of Now yeah. by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, that's yeah. a great book. And uh, do you have any apps that you would recommend related to mindfulness or that could help someone to be more mindful? I, yeah, I actually blogged about it on Yoga Girls at one point. Um, but I, so it was great. I got to research and test a lot of them. Um, I will say um, with my new meditation style of trying to not touch my phone, mm -hmm. I haven't been using this as much, but I did find in that research and um, and used for a little bit one called Insight Timer. Yes. So it was kind of cool. I know you could like, you could set the length and you could choose from all these different bells and even the sound that looped had, you know, you could go from guitar to whatever, ocean waves, mm -hmm. you know? So I liked that. Yeah, that's a great app. It really is. Mm -hmm. Well, Debbie, how can we connect with you? How can we learn more about Yogo Girls and more about what you do? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, I am on yogogirls.com and that is our social media handle. Uh, we're on all of them <laughs> um, at yogogirls. And I mean, Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y at yogogirls.com. Uh, you can email me or find me on any media. I'd be happy to connect to you and connect to your mind body and to your breath. Well, Debbie, I think that Gretchen really worked her wonders because you seem like a truly happy individual. Thank you so much yeah. for saying that. I love, you know, I, I appreciate you saying, putting good vibes out, right? You're putting out good words. When you say good words, you feel them. And that book, that journal, I get to see them and actually physically write them. So that's how you change your neural pathways, right? You just keep building them. You keep putting it out there. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, you're welcome. And and I don't know if you're listening, listeners, to the, to the audio only or you're listening to the video because behind Debbie is the word love glowing on the wall. And that's obviously an important part of your life. It's been really great talking with you. Thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode today, Debbie. Oh, Bruce, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. <laughs> Bye now. Bye. Mindful Tribe, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you did, like I say, subscribe and please leave a comment on the bottom of the episode on my website or send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm going to be giving out Mindfulness Mode mugs to some random people who do leave messages. And uh, so that could be you. So leave a message. I'll pre I'd appreciate it. So subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air you you know that i mentioned that quite a bit till next time mindful tribe use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode <laughs>